Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I want you to imagine a world without Instagram. I know, I'm, I told you it wasn't going to be pretty. Without Twitter. Men, be, if you're with a woman today, get ready to catch her. A world without Facebook. And, and being able to connect in that way. I want you to imagine, and this is where some of you might start clapping. I want you to imagine the world without email and a world without the internet. Now, where I've taken you back to is approximately 1985. <laughs> and and I, I have vivid memories of, I was at, at the seminary in 1992 and I worked for this place called Taylor Electric and they were the, the first place around to get personal computers. And they had two computers you could buy the 20 meg hard drive or the 40 meg hard drive. And I remember asking someone who worked there, which one should I get? And he said, you'll never need more than 20 megs of hard drive. <laughs> so just buy that one and you'll be fine. And we are now currently using that computer as an anchor uh, on our boat when we go fishing. <laughs> but, but I want you to go back there for, for a little bit and imagine, if you can, for, for younger people here, you can't imagine that because it's so much a part of what you do and, and your connection. But now I want you to imagine something even more difficult, and that is a world without texting. When you don't have a cell phone, when, when people who didn't have a cell phone didn't have mean parents, they just didn't have cell phones because they weren't available. And the only people who did were rich people who had these phones that were like a big brick with an antenna, and, and it was watching them try to hold it and talk was, was actually quite amusing. But when you go back there, and now you've gone back into the 90s, the mid-90s as well, and maybe to the, the mid-80s, how would you communicate with someone? And before you say, oh, I would use the phone and I would, I'd make a phone call, I don't know if you grew up in, in the family I did, but if you made a phone call to someone who lived outside of the city limits and it was a long-distance phone call, you know, you would be beaten. They would, they would, there would be an inquisition on who made the call and then, okay, who's going to pay for this? And so what we would do back in those days is something that now is a lost art, and that is to write a letter. And what that is, for those of you who don't know, it's when you take a piece of paper and, you, and you, it's like email on a like snail mail. That might help you. But imagine writing a letter. And the reason why I need you to think about writing a letter is because sometimes when we look at the Bible, what we forget, especially in the New Testament, that after you get through the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the accounts of Jesus, and then Acts, which is another history book, that almost all the rest of the books really weren't books in the sense that we think of books, but they were letters. 
And they were letters that the Apostle Paul or whoever the writer was would take time because they wanted to communicate, because there wasn't Twitter, because he couldn't call them, uh, because there weren't all of those other means of communication. And so you would sit down and you would write a letter. And that made me think, and I ask you to think, have you ever written someone? Or, or if he, when is the last time you wrote someone or received a personal letter? And I'm not talking a card either here. I'm talking a handwritten letter where you sat down and you, and you wanted to write to someone. Sometimes you would write to inform them about what was going on. Dear Grandma, I haven't seen you all summer. I thought I would let you know what was going on. This is what we're doing. Maybe it was someone that you cared about who lived a long ways away. And you would write a letter, and then you would get a letter back. And if you were really lucky, ooh, there's a little perfume on it. That'll last at least a week or so. And, and, and you would have this letter. And, and what I need you to think about is if you have received a letter like that, because the letters are different than your email that go along with a thousand other emails you get. Because when these letters came, they would come one at a time. You wouldn't get a hundred of them. You wouldn't get 20 of them in one day. It would be special when you got it. And so when you would read that letter, you would read it. You would read it the whole way through. And then you might put it down or you might go back to it and, and, and look at it again and, and, and look at the highlights. And especially if it's a love letter, now you have to look for the hidden messages in there uh, where what is the message behind the message to try to understand what was being written. And again, I tell you this because these words that were written in the Bible are letters, which means the people would have looked at them in very much the same way, that as they came from Paul, that, that they would have read through them and then they would have gone back to look at them to make sure they gleaned everything out of there that Paul and God wanted them to hear. So if you are someone who, who has ever thought, you know what, I don't know how to read the Bible, in the next five or six weeks of this message series, we're going to teach you how. And the way that you do it, it quite simply, to keep in your head, is read it like you would read a letter. Read through it, and then go back and, and focus on little parts of it one at a time. Now, I'm going to read for you the portion that we're going to cover, which is Ephesians 1, uh, chapter 1 through verse 14. That's where we're going to start today. And so, if you, would, you can see it in your Bible, on your app, but before I do... One of the promises I made before is that you are going to learn something new today. And this is the part where you're going to learn something new, and if you don't, I'm in trouble. And, and here's, here's a, a couple things that, that you want to understand that might help you understand this letter before we start. First of all, in the Greek language, verses 3 through 14 are one sentence. Over 200 words. 200 words in a sentence. And this isn't because Paul was never taught about run-on sentences. <laughs> but instead, what I want you to, to imagine is I want you to imagine that grandma and grandpa gave mom and dad enough money to take their kids to Disney World. 
and they went to Disney World. Remember, this is before phones. This is before email. We're back in 1985 or before. And so they went to, to Disney World, and when they got back, mom or dad said to their child, write grandma a letter and write grandpa a letter thanking them for the gift they gave us. And so what they do is that, that first sentence is going to be your 200-word run-on sentence. Thank you so much for Disney World. It was so great. We went from here to here to here to here, and they're so excited that it's all, ah, you know, that, that we're so excited. It just turns into one huge sentence. And as we look at, at, at this message, it's going to be that way where, where Paul is, he's just like, spewing out how the praise to God for everything that he's done, and it's like he's so excited about it that he just lets it all out there at once. A second thing that you might notice, in this 200-word sentence, 10 times Paul writes about this praise to God and how great God is and your relationship with him. He uses the term in Christ or in him, or in the one he loves. Think about that. Ten times in one sentence, he uses that phrase. And so as we are reading these words, you're recognizing that Paul's excited, and what he's excited about is the relationship we have in God. But understand that this entire relationship is in Christ. That if, this, if you try to go outside of Christ, you have nothing. But when you are inside of Christ, you have everything. A third thing is these, this sentence is sometimes, you don't need to know this church word, but maybe you've heard of, it's, it is a church word called a doxology. And ology means words, and the dox part means words of, of praise or, or words of giving someone glory. And really that's what these words are, is they are words to give God glory for the things that he's done for us. And what you're going to notice in this section that, that's important is you're going to notice the mention of the Father, you're going to see the mention of Jesus Christ, the Son, and the mention of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's a wonderful model as we look at giving praise to God that we always remember our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one God in three persons who, who is worthy of all praise in our lives. Hopefully you've learned something. And if not, I apologize. But here we go. We're going now to Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. I'm, and I'm going to read through verse 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely gave us in the one he loves." In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, 
to be put into effect when the time has reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. I love this part. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. If you are like me, that's a lot to swallow at one time. And so we're using this like a letter where we read it, and now let's go back. And where we're going to start is Ephesians 1, 1 and 2. I'm going to read it one more time. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The name of this book is Ephesians because it was a letter written to the church in Ephesus. If you would do some research, if you would go online, and, and even if you would look at different Bible scholars, I'm just going to tell you there is not a 100% certainty that it was written to the people of Ephesus. And, and they're not sure, even, even though it's later received that name and was commonly accepted that it was written to those people, they weren't 100% sure. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't make that much difference because these words are not only for them, but for their, they are for us as well. And in the blank, what I'd like you to write right now is, I am in Ephesus. And then write, I am a question mark. Now, obviously, I know we're not in Ephesus, we're in Phoenix. But Ephesus and Phoenix were very much the same. When you look at the, the larger cities at that time, where you would probably have you know, two of the bigger ones like, like Rome and maybe Athens, that a city like Ephesus would have been a city like Phoenix, a, a major metropolitan area with many different people. And, and so as we can consider that, in, a, in an area like we are in, there are many diverse people and, and many different kinds of people, different skin colors, different backgrounds, different beliefs. And that was a way that, that sometimes in a city like that and, and sometimes in a city like Phoenix, because of that diversity, which we sometimes think is a good thing, that we also know that sometimes those differences bring tension. And it was no different at, at this time when, when Paul wrote this letter to the people as well. And so when the, the question is, I am a blank, I went through that. And, and what I'd like you to think about is what your roles are. How would you answer this question? I put, I am a husband. I am a father. I am a son. I am a, a brother. I am a pastor. I am a friend. I am a teacher, I am a neighbor, I am a coach. 
Those are just some of the roles that I play, some of the things that I do. And so when people see me, they might address me in a different way based on the role that I have. But what's interesting about this is that as you look at the whole group here today and you see all the differences we have, that you might look at some of the people around you and think, we have nothing in common. Really, we, we don't, and, and especially at Crosswalk, I don't know if you've noticed the diversity. From up here, you can't miss it. All of the, the different people that are here. And, and in Ephesus, it would have been male and female, Jews and Greeks, slave and free, fathers, mothers, children, all different kinds. And what he was writing them to assure them is, even though you are different when you're in Ephesus, there are many differences, There's one thing that brings us here today, and that one thing is the most important thing, and it's really the only thing we need to bring us together, and that's Jesus. We continue. Verse three, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That verse summarizes everything we're going to say today. If you want a summary of all the verses I read, this is the summary. First of all, praise to God that that as we're looking at this, he's the one who receives all the glory for everything we're about to talk about. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms. During the story when we had gone through the entire Bible and, and the story of the Bible, sometimes we talked about the upper story And the lower story, that's what this is about. In the heavenly realms, there is something besides what we see. That there is a place where God is. It's the heavenly realms. And there is activity going on there as well. And we we never want to forget that and, and understand that that is also a place where we will be going. And when God acts on our behalf, he does so with the heavenly realms and our future in mind. And so we're reminded, don't get caught in just the physical. Understand the heavenly realms. And when you think about the heavenly realm, remember that you are the richest person there. Look at that. He's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. Anything we could ever want, anything we could ever imagine in the heavenly realms. And having that changes the way that we look at our lives today. In the blank, you can write, I am in Christ. I am a saint, holy and blameless. It is a reason to give thanks and praise to God. I am in Christ. I am a saint. It is reason to give thanks and praise to God. As I was going through this and, and trying to think in my head, I, I, I just think analogy-wise I do, and I think stories, and, and it helps me understand what it means to be in Christ and therefore have reason to give praise to God. I, I thought a little bit of my, my situation with my wife and my in-laws. Maybe you've heard me talk about before uh, one of my favorite places to go, and that is South Dakota. Uh, I love going to South Dakota because my in-laws live there, and they have a, a place that's 10 square miles. It's, it's unbelievably huge. And, and when you go out there, there's just nobody around. 
And when I go out there, one of the things I love to do is pheasant hunt. And it is the best pheasant hunting literally in the world. It is, is tremendous. Another thing that they have there is kind of like the hunting house and fishing house where, where we're able to stay, which is as nice, if not nicer, than the home I live in. And they have Dish Network, which I don't. And it's right on the Missouri River. And the Missouri River there is, the, the lake we're on is 120 miles long and a mile and a half wide. And he has a ranger boat, like a $30,000 boat, and a King Ranch pickup truck to pull it with, and a son-in-law that he lets use it whenever he wants. And, and so this is, this is what I'm describing to you, is I have something that, that is a ways away, and it, it's something that, that, I, that I'm able to enjoy, but I'm telling you right now, I have never paid a penny towards the ownership of that land, anything towards the house, anything. That every time that I use that, it is a gift to me. And there is one reason why I'm allowed to have that gift. And it's in Tanya. <laughs> it is because of my relationship with my wife that my father-in-law shares this, all of this with me. And, and so this isn't, this isn't a hammer that, that, that he uses, you better stay with her, otherwise you lose all this. But rather, I, I look at it a totally different way, where I'm able to have this wonderful relationship with my wife, which in and of itself is, is the blessing. And as if that weren't enough, I have everything else that comes along with it. That is what these words are saying, is that we have this relationship with our God, and he gives us everything. That, that as we think of heaven and, and what happens beyond this world, and for every person here, you have those blessings waiting for you, which are so much better than a hunting cabin and a boat and, and a place where you can stay and, and a place where you can hunt. It's so much better than that. Because what you have is something that will last for an eternity. And there's nothing you've done to earn it. Nothing to deserve it. You can't pay for it. And the reason why you do have it is because of your relationship in Christ. And it's so important for you to remember that because if you try to get that relationship without the relationship with Christ, you are doomed to failure. Another part is, is that all of this then helps you give praise to God and simply to say, thank you, God, for everything you've given me. And now the words that follow help us understand a little more clearly what these blessings in the heavenly realms are. We continue. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I'm going to read that one more time. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You are holy and blameless, which just a little bit before, I, I used the word that you are a saint. I don't know about you, but when you think of a saint, 
I usually don't think of myself. And, and if you think in the, the terms of the world and how they look at a saint, if you want to be a saint in the, the Catholic Church, the, there's a five-step process. Number one is that after you die, the, your bishop, uh, wherever you lived, would investigate your life to find out what type of person you were. Secondly, there, there is a, 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 an entity inside the church body who once you're recommended by the bishop, they do their own investigation of your life to make sure that you were a good person. Then what they do is, is they go and they do interviews with other people. Step number four is that you have to perform a miracle that can be validated. And fifth is you have to do a second miracle that can be validated. And once you go through all of those steps, you can be recognized as a saint. Which means, if you are someone who, who wants to be sainted, you, can't, you, you have to hide everything or be perfect. And I don't know about you, but I'm not. So I would have to hide things. But with Christ, what he tells us is that we can be holy and blameless, not through what we've done, not through a five-step process, but but we are holy and blameless in Christ because of what he has done, that he has taken away that sin. And what that allows us to be is open and honest, that we don't have to hide things, that we don't have to live in fear, we don't have to worry about people finding us out, but rather, as we did before, we confess our sin and trust Jesus to forgive it. We continue. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. The word before, remember, this is sometimes saying the same thing in a different way. Before this, he said he, he chose us before the creation of the world. And in this part, it says he predestined us those two things mean really the same thing, just so we're clear. And the point of this, so we're clear, is God wants you to understand that all of this that has happened to you is to his glory, and it's, it's in his hands. I'll explain this two ways. One of them is to try to say it this way. To the extent that you want to be involved or, or receive credit for your relationship with God, to whatever extent you do that, that is the same extent that you will have doubt in your life of whether you've done enough. Because there will always be these lingering things of, of my own holiness, my own actions, and whether it's enough to please God. And, and to understand that, that really any sin separates me from God, and so if I am trying to earn this, I'm in trouble. On the other hand, to the extent to which I give God praise and glory and trust him for, for, for all of this and, and for what he's done to me, that is the extent of my confidence. Because instead of looking what I, at what I do, I look at what he has done, and I have confidence because it's fulfilled in Christ. And so in this section, he, he makes it clear by using words like grace and that he chose us and that we're predestined to say, you know what, you can trust me that I have this. And, and we're going to see it in just a moment. He, he uses the words, I have it under control. You don't have to worry about this. One other way that I'll describe predestination is this. This is one of my favorite examples of it. 
If you are someone who has ever played football and you had a playbook, that, that you get these playbooks, and the playbooks can have a hundred different plays in them. And, and they can be anything from handing it off to the fullback right up the gut to uh, throwing a Hail Mary touchdown pass. But here's the thing, with every play we had in our playbook, you know how it ended in the playbook? Touchdown, every single play. So when you look at it and you go, what are you doing? Why are you calling that play? That was so stupid. Well, in the book it ends as a touchdown. All you need is for everyone, if everyone executes their blocks perfectly, we're gonna be fine. And and this won't be a problem at all. What God is telling us is this, is that in his playbook, he is the one who blocks for us. And when we trust his blocking, it ends as a touchdown every time. That, That as we look at the future, we don't need to fear where we're going. We're going to be with him in heaven. In the blank, you can write, in Christ, I am predestined for adoption. I'm going to be part of the family. And all of this is a product of his grace. That we don't deserve it. That that it is something that is given to us. So this is what the father has done for us. All of these different things that he's adopted us into the family. He's made us a saint. And now we turn our attention a little bit now to the son and what he does. Ephesians 1 verse 7 and 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. I just need to to point this out again because, because Paul does. Notice where this starts, in him. In him, in Jesus Christ. 10 different times in all of these different things we're looking at, go outside of Christ and you lose them. And what has he given us? Redemption. The forgiveness of sins, those are the exact same thing. In the blank you can write, in Christ, I am redeemed and forgiven. Redeemed, that Jesus has paid the ransom, that Jesus went to the cross, that your sins have been taken away, that they have been paid for, that the debt that you owe, that Jesus took on himself and paid. He says it another way. Ephesians 1, verses 9 and 10. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Go ahead and fill in the blank right away. It is, in Christ I know God's mysterious will. This whole idea of a mystery, when the Bible uses the mystery, what it means by that is, it's a mystery because it's something that I could not find out on my own. That if we did not have God's word revealed to us about his plan of salvation, we wouldn't know. We, we would be ignorant. The whole world would be. Jesus could have come down, could have died on the cross, and, and no one ever would have benefited from it because we just didn't know. We didn't know that was the plan. But what he's given us in his word is the playbook. 
And, and so we were, are able to see all the mysteries. Why did God do this? And, and, and we look at it, and he explains it to us. And he explains the promises of the Christ. And he explains the principles of, of Jesus being our, our substitute. And why Jesus needed to go to the cross. Why Jesus needed to die to pay for our sins. All of these things need not be a mystery to you any longer because they have been revealed in Jesus Christ. And so no more mysteries, no more secrets, no more things that that we don't know, but rather everything we need to know is found in him, in Jesus. We continue. In him. Okay, here we go. In him... We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, I love these words, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. We're going to get to this in just a moment, but I don't want to jump the gun, but I'm going to. What is the thing in your life that's not working out? What is the thing that is so big that you just can't get your arms around it and you think it's hopeless? He works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will and you know what his will is? That you go to the heavenly realms after this life and enjoy every spiritual blessing in Christ. And just so you're not worried if that's going to happen, notice he says, in him we were chosen, predestined. His will is that you go to heaven and it's taken care of through Jesus. Take him at his word. How many different ways do I need to say this? But Paul's excited and he wants the Ephesians and he wants you to to just get this pounded in your head. You don't need to doubt God that you can take him at his word. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. In the blank, you can write, in Christ, my hope for the future gives glory to God. Hope. Hope that I have in my God. And this hope isn't, well, I really, the way we use hope is that we say, well, I really hope this happens, that, that we look at the football game today and we say, I hope my team wins. God's hope is not like that. It's a certain hope. It's a certain hope knowing that the victory has already been won by Christ, and now I know it's simply the coronation of Christ and my victory as well. And so as I look towards the future, I I look with hope, and maybe even another word we would use is with confidence, knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, and he's going to carry it out. And when it does happen, you know who we're going to give praise to for it? God that we're gonna look back and say, I was powerless, I didn't know what I was gonna do, and he worked everything out. What a great God I have. The final portion. And these are some of the sweetest words here. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. You, every individual person here. Do you hear me right now? You. You were included in Christ when you heard this message, when you heard this mystery. And I'm telling you that even though you might have just heard it recently and didn't know, God knew who you were thousands of years ago, before the creation of the world. 
He knew you by name. He had this moment in mind when you would again hear this truth and again give him praise and glory for bringing you here and letting you know about Christ and giving you hope. You were included. You are included. You've always been included in God's mind. You were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. What he's talking about there with that redemption is when we finally leave this world, when we finally get to get away from this sinful world and be with our God. And so until we're there, until we get to go to the place where we, in the heavenly realms where we receive everything that God has promised completely, until then you are given a gift, and the gift is called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does give you comfort. And the Holy Spirit does give you hope. And as you go back into God's word and these letters that he's given, these love letters, and as you go over them again and again, the Holy Spirit works through them to, to strengthen your trust in God and, and to, to make you realize, I can take God at his word, and these promises are for me, and I am included, and I am chosen, and Jesus does love me, and I am in Christ. All of these things are gift from our God for today. And notice, to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. So with all of this, that as I look at it, that I can't help but have a response that said, God, you are a great God. In the blank, you can write, in Christ, I am included in God's family. Please, please, please circle that or do whatever you have to do. Highlight it. Put it on your fridge. I am included in God's family and given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of what is to come. And then the final one, uh, did I mention all these incredible gifts are reason that we give praise to God? Did I forget that? I don't, I don't remember if I said that or not. But Paul did. And he wanted the Ephesians. This is, this, is, this is as he gets to the very end and he's telling you all the things that God has done and the praise of his glory and he chose us and he works out everything and, and praise be to God. Now, I just shared a ton of information with you. I know. And so the final thing I want to give you, two things. One of them is the basket to take this home in. The basket is your memory verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's, your, that's what this is about, giving praise to God for everything that he's given me and all that comes through Christ. But the second thing, which I started to mention already, this is a hope God wants you to enjoy today. I need to know now, I don't need to know, but you need to know, I should say, what your hopeless situation is. I need to know what the thing is that, that, is, that is so hard and so bad that, that you, don't, you don't know how you're going to go forward. This week has been a great week for me in a number of different ways with growing in the faith. It just is that I, I'm a working project to... Uh, pro, a work in progress, too, that I'm just, I need Christ. And, and to the extent that, that I do have victories, I give praise to God. 
But, it, but one of the things that was very interesting is, is probably right now the, the biggest struggle that I have, and I've said this before from the stage, that it's with food. It, it just is. And so as, as I look at, and I was going through this week, I, I go back to being in Christ and all of these promises and this hope of the future. And I'm telling you, when I get the most down and depressed, it's usually about how I eat. And it's, uh, then I'm like, Lord, I shouldn't be here. I, I, that why am I not winning this battle? And one of the quotes, the quotes that I read was, it said, remember Jesus is the God who drove demons out of people? I think he can help you in a battle with a cookie. <laughs> and, and I remember reading that, and, and what I realized this week is he never has helped me in my battle with the cookie. Because I can beat a cookie. Or can I? And all of a sudden, it made me realize that, that to the extent that when I have gone on a yo-yo of trying to lose weight, trying to get back in shape, and, and, and then getting to a place, and people then say, man, you're looking better. You must be lifting. You must be getting... Thanks, I've been going to the gym. I'd like to... To the praise of Dan. Oh my goodness. Praise Dan for, for how hard he's working and, and being... And that perhaps... That perhaps maybe the way that I'm approaching it, even that. What, because if that is my, my difficult thing, am I letting Jesus fight this battle? I'm just using this as an example for whatever your battle is. Because I had gotten to a place where I was hopeless. That I'm like, this is just the way I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And it's not true. Because I am in Christ. And because I have a relationship with the Son, I have access to the Father. And I enjoy this relationship with Christ and these blessings in the heavenly realm. And I know that he is with me today in whatever battle I fight. And so today, I ask you to leave with hope. Go back to this. Go back to this portion and take time, whatever this is. I want you in, the, in God's word, in prayer, going back, laying this on God's throne and saying, God, I know who you are. You are the victor. You are the one who has brought me in Christ. You are an eternal God. Whatever you are facing, take it to the Lord and let him fight that battle for you. That is the blessing of being in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for uh, the, the wonderful gifts we have in Christ. We thank you for all the, the different blessings we have in the heavenly realm. We thank you for the hope that we have in this realm. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, help us as we, we go forward from here today to do so in hope. Whatever battle we have to fight, Lord, let us entrust it to you and trust your power to win it. Please be with us every day for Jesus' sake. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. My prayer for you this week is that you go back and you read through definitely Ephesians chapter 1 or that you go back and, and maybe each day of the week read a chapter and you'll get through it. It's a letter 
that's not ridiculously long. And so that you go and you take time to remember how to read a letter. And when you do, especially in chapter one, think of all the reasons you have on a daily basis. Just write down reasons to thank God because of your relationship with Jesus. And as you do, you'll see how you continue to grow and live in God's grace that he has for you. And now as you go, go also with God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.